right, everybody, welcome back, all you good, wonderful citizens of Crypt Nation. It's Bryce, and today I am joined by Reza Joffrey, who is the co-founder of a decentralized stablecoin called Hi, uh, amidst many other things he's doing in the crypto space, of which we will dive into in just a bit. But but this is a big one, and, and we're excited to have Reza on the show. Um, so, so Reza, welcome, and how are you doing today? I'm doing great, thank you. How about yourself? No complaints. Sunny San Diego uh, very rarely elicits a complaint from me. Um, so think, yeah, things are really good, and uh, you know, team's growing. Things are, uh, you know, we're in the builder season of the market. Obviously, uh, not a not a huge lot of price action, but you see the uh, the the fake Bitcoin ETF announcement the other day oh, that man. shot Bitcoin to thirty k. Yeah, and then the the Coin Telegraph editor in chief's response to it of basically being like, "Well, really, it's the market's fault. You know, it's, it's, it's the people's yeah. fault." Yeah, she she blamed it on society. I think was her words that like everybody's yeah. trying to be quickest to the punch with headlines, and but really, her intern got duped by some scammer on uh, Telegram, and there was apparently no checks and balances there for what gets posted. Yeah, honestly, my biggest takeaway from all of that was I was surprised at how many people still trust Coin Telegraph. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that uh, definitely uh, tarnished their reputation. There, uh, gotta check your sauces, you know. Gotta <laughs> check your sauces. Got to. Uh, but man, let let's dive in, Reza, um, into uh, a little bit about your background and and kind of how you founded um, Hi. Absolutely. So I've been in the industry since around 2016. Uh, I'm not a developer. So, you know, 2016, the only thing I could think to do at the time was uh, write as much content as I could. Uh, so <laughs> I basically just started publishing blogs on like Medium, Hacker Noon, and answering questions on Quora and stuff like that uh, about Ethereum, Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, just trying to get a foothold in the space really i just i i read the ethereum white paper and was like this is the future i need to be a part of this but i was also so broke so <laughs> like, if i can't buy into it i need to find a way to contribute to it and at the time all of the information about eth and like crypto in general was written for the most part by developers so mm -hmm. i just started writing beginner level content aimed at non-technical people to try and educate them about crypto and uh, for a while, I was like the most read writer on Medium and Hacker Noon and Quora for the subjects that I was covering. Uh, before Deloitte and companies like that started writing about Bitcoin, I had the number one ranked articles for like, why is Bitcoin <laughs> I definitely dropping? read your stuff then. <laughs> I was yeah. all over those forums. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, from there, I, I worked with an ICO accelerator in 2017, 2018. Uh, that got acquired and you know, worked with a few coins here and there writing white papers and stuff like that. And then started working with Decrypt around 2020. And that's also the same time that I met Amin Soleimani, my uh, co-founder in High. Oh. And Amin has just been slowly, slowly, uh, what's the word he uses? So radicalizing me into, uh, <laughs> <laughs> into the decentralized stablecoin meta. Uh, and like, you just, we, we became friends over the pandemic and we, you know, we would play video games together, just chat. And like, you know, he's just whispering in my ear over rounds of video games about how evil the dollar was. And slowly I started to believe him. 
<laughs> and, and here we are now. Um, it's funny. He actually, he told me about the concept of high. He came up with the concept of high a long, long time ago. And he kept talking about how he wanted to fork rye and, you know, go off in this new direction. And I was just needed someone to kind of take the wheel and help spearhead it. And eventually I just raised my hand and was like, you know what? <laughs> Let's do it. Time Let's get to jump it going. in with both feet. <laughs> yep. Cool, man. No, it's uh, it's incredible. You've got a wealth of knowledge. And, you know, I think, you know, when people hear, you know, fork rye, for instance, they are like, whoa, 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 hold on. What, what does that mean? Right. And so um, I think many people are familiar maybe with Maker MakerDAO um, and the Dye stablecoin, which I, I now see there's a theme uh, between the names. Um, and so Maker will, you know, take in Ethereum or take in, you know, some kind of assets and then issue um, a stable coin against it. So there's that decentralized framework I think a lot of people are familiar with. And then everybody knows Tether and um, USDC, right? Where they hold, you know, one for one, apparently, supposedly, we got to trust them all. Um, one for one, a US dollar in a bank account somewhere or, you know, treasuries. And then they issue a stable coin on Ethereum or on Tron or some network. And so I would love to learn about, um, high and, and maybe how it's similar or how it's different from those kind of models. Yeah. So high is a decentralized community governed and controlled peg stable coin. That's going to be deployed on optimism. So what does that okay. mean exactly? Um, so we'll go back to like what you said earlier, that rye is a fork of die. And the key difference between rye and die is that rye has uh, negative rates and it's not a hard peg. So like DAI, USDC, Tether, they're all hard pegged to $1. You know, one Tether should always equal $1. One USDC should always equal $1. Whereas Rye has a floating peg, uh, meaning it. that- there Semi-stable coin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not a dollar coin. It's a stable asset, but it's not pegged to a dollar. You know, like a stable coin in today's definition is really only stable relative to the value of $1. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's a part of the challenge that we're dealing with is we kind of have to change the way people think about stable coins, stable assets. Um, a stable coin isn't necessarily something that's pegged to a dollar. It's just something that has low volatility and maintains your purchasing power over a long enough duration of time. So the key difference going back to, you know, Rye versus Dai versus High between mm -hmm. Rye and Dai was the, um, Rye has like a floating peg uh, and mm -hmm. it maintains that floating peg by adding in a negative interest rate. So that means that when the target price, which is like the, the floating peg uh, of Rye, we have a target price and we have the market price, the market price being like what you buy it for on Uniswap. When the market price goes above the target price, uh, the system sets a negative interest rate. Whereas with DAI, die would just like emit more die you know like they just they issue don't really more have supply and yeah if, if it was below it would t you know take supply off the market and yeah so that is the real innovation behind rye i think and that's like the core piece that we wanted to take and fork and so that's essentially what we've done we've taken rye and we've uh we forked it and we're going to deploy it on optimism which i think is going to bring a whole slew of new benefits Awesome. And so, yeah, so, you know, forking, um, you know, I remember the most famous fork, uh, Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, right? And so everybody, you know, who held Bitcoin, um, your BTC at the time, 
um, you know, there was a cohort of people and they said, you know what, we want a different vision for, for how this is going to develop. So if you hold Bitcoin at the time of the fork, um, which is just, you know, think of forking um, as copy pasting, basically. They copy pasted, they changed a couple parameters. And then all of a sudden, my wallet had one BTC and then one BCH, and they weren't really compatible on the same network. And so for folks who are listening, a fork is really just a copy paste with um, some parameters changed. Um, and so in the in the fork that you guys did, um, were people able to have, um, you know, people that held Rye then got the new high tokens or is it just um or was it you know you guys just kind of looked at the code base and, and changed some things and then had it deployed a new instance of it so we haven't launched yet um so i'm hesitant to get into too many details about like what any airdrop-esque <laughs> thing okay. might be sure um but so i guess you could ask like why why even fork it you know what do we want to change uh mm -hmm. in that sense and the core problem with rye right now is so i'm also the dow lead for reflexer or rye so mm -hmm. i've been in the weeds working on rye for two two and a half years now and when the way that rye works <laughs> is that like similar to die you deposit collateral and you can mint the stable coin backed by the collateral a part of rye being decentralized and censorship resistant uh, was that we removed the ability to change a lot of things. We hard coded it. So like we believe, you know, Reflexor Dow, that humans are the problem in money. And that if you remove humans and human interaction from money, then it will be more efficient. It'll be a better system. Mm -hmm. So the way that we remove humans and their ability to mess things up is by hard coding the system so no one can change it. So like we... I like it. <laughs> yeah, like we said very early on, Rye will only ever be backed by ETH and we hard coded it and no one can change the type of collateral that can be used to mint Rye now, which was completely fine for a while until ETH 2.0 launched. And mm. with ETH 2.0 and staking, proof of stake, you can now earn like 4 or 5% relatively risk-free just staking your ETH. And because you can only deposit unstaked plain ETH into Rye, all of a sudden there's an opportunity cost that people didn't really want to give up. You know, if you can earn risk-free four or 5%, it all of a sudden makes it a harder decision uh, where you want to use mm -hmm. your single pure ETH. So we forked it and now we're going to allow for multiple collateral types. Uh, we're still going to keep it. We still want it to be resilient, uh, censorship resistant. And to do that, we believe that we have to hard code certain parts of it, but we're going to keep mm -hmm certain things uh, up to the DAO so that it's a little more flexible than Rye, a little more pliant. Yeah, that's that's really interesting and something that, you know, I, I hadn't really, um, you know, discovered yet or thought about, um, you know, the Reflexor DAO I, I've definitely heard of, but I didn't realize that kind of that, that ossification, um, you know, while it did have good intentions, it, you know, technology kept developing and, you know, they were, uh, they were too, you know, concrete and in, in what they kind of hard coded and they, they weren't able to uh, keep up with the times. And so, um, you know, I think, I think what you guys are doing with high sounds, sounds really, really cool. Um, and yeah, I would love to dive into a little bit about just the, the overall stable coin sort of market right now. What, do, what are your thoughts on the current state of stable coins? Um, you know, there's been, I think 18 or 19 months of overall 
decline in total value locked in these stable coins. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. What does that mean for investors and users? I think that on-chain stablecoin volume is a proxy for demand and... Mm. Demand is pretty low right now. <laughs> we're we're in a bit of a bear market, but you know mm-hmm. bear markets are for builders, as they say. So uh, we continue on. But all jokes aside, you can earn five percent just sitting in cash with treasury bonds right now. So, and that is like for the normie, for the you know traditional investor, that's like as safe as you can be, pretty much. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's very little risk to the average person when they think about just sitting in cash like that. So. Our competition off chain got a little better, <laughs> and yeah. um, and the market is you know just not doing great. But I think that in order to change that, there's kind of two levers we can pull, or not necessarily that we individually can pull, but there's two levers, <laughs> and one lever is you know increased speculation, increased demand, which will come you know a la bull market whenever that decides to bless us with its presence again. Mm-hmm. And then the other way that we can address that is through creating better better infrastructure and products that allow users to capture interest rates similar to what they're getting in U.S. treasuries. And that's kind of what we're building towards right now. Very cool. Um, and kind of going back to, um, you know, the, the proof of stake system um, where now you could kind of have these liquid staking derivatives. Um, do you guys, or, you know, in, in theory or, you know, do you guys plan to accept those liquid staking uh, tokens as collateral? Yeah, absolutely. That's like the main, one of the main motivations for wanting to fork Rye was specifically to add the ability to use staked ETH as collateral. We actually, we got a grant from Lido. Um, They paid for our audit and we're going to be incorporating them into the system from day one. So you're going to be able to take your, your wrap staked ETH and use that as collateral. And so what that means for the user is that you take your staked ETH, you put it into a high safe, you're still earning your 4 or 5% rewards on that staked ETH, but then you can also issue yourself a loan uh, against that ETH and then take that high that you've just minted against your ETH and do whatever you want with it. You could put it into an LP position, earn more yield, or you could buy more wrapped staked ETH and deposit that in and take out a bigger loan. Uh, it just adds mm-hmm. more optionality. And and with that optionality, maybe a little bit more leverage and a little bit more risk. Um, you know, w- would you be able to outline at a at a really high level kind of some of the risks associated with um, you know the liquid staking derivatives and and all that? Because um, I always think whenever there's yield, um, there's always there's always some kind of risk. I guess we don't need to go too into the weeds, but for for somebody you know a crypto one hundred and one level listener at home. How should they think about the main risk associated with that kind of activity? With LSDs or with? Yeah, with with, um, with taking a loan out basically against your uh, your Ethereum. Absolutely. So we all of the high safes have to be over collateralized. That's one of the problems we think. Uh, 
one of the problems that exist in traditional money that we're definitely not trying to recreate is that you know fractional reserve banking under collateralized is it's just a it's bunch a nightmare. of nightmare. Yeah, it's a nightmare. <laughs> we really don't want to get into that. So unwinds very quickly. <laughs> yeah. So with high, uh, and I think with a lot of these CDP collateralized debt position uh, backed stable coins, when it's over collateralized, you can get liquidated. Um, so like, I, let me take a step back and explain this from like yeah, the, the bottom. So if I take one wrap staked ETH and I put it into a safe, and let's say the price of ETH at that point in time is $1,000. Uh, I can take out like $500 worth of high against that. Uh, and that'll put me, that'll give me a liquidation price as well. So basically, when, if the price of ETH falls after you have taken out a loan and it goes below your liquidation point, which is basically just, your liquidation point is enough so that you can cover the loan that you took out, mm -hmm. then you would lose what you put down as collateral um but if you're familiar at all with like margin trading or anything like that it's so so very far from the leverage that you get on we're so far away from like 10x 15x 30x i think it's like 0.5x or right. something like that you know it's um there is risk involved you can get liquidated but we don't really allow for high risk. I mean, you can be as a user, I can't control how risky you want to be, but if mm -hmm. you want to like, for example, I don't treat rye or high these days as really like risk positions. For me, it's a pretty, I treat it as a low risk way to kind of place bets. And, um, sure. I just don't get close to my liquidation price. I don't take out a lot, you know, I'll do like a third maybe of what I put down and just slowly add to my position. So, so long story short, <laughs> feel like that wasn't a great answer but there no. are, there are some risks in it but it's um comparatively to other products it's a lot uh a lot more friendly yeah no i i think that makes a ton of sense um and, and so you guys chose to deploy uh high or um are choosing to deploy here pretty soon on optimism and i'm curious about the decision there um because obviously there's kind of a war going on between layer twos between arbitrum zk sync and, and base and all these different things so tell us a little bit about your thoughts on optimism absolutely so i will say that i don't necessarily think there's an l2 war going on right now i kind of see it as these are all just extensions of ethereum mainnet and that we're all kind of working together on this. I think that there was an L1 war and that ETH quietly won the L1 war. <laughs> and now all these L2s launching are just efforts to kind of prove out the thesis that ETH can serve as this global settlement layer. Um, we're just trying to improve the experience on top of ETH and everyone's making their efforts and we'll we'll see which ones, you know, create the biggest value. But I... It may be optimistic of me, I don't know, but I do yeah. see it as a little more uh, collaborative than competitive. And that's kind of the stance that we take at high is we, we anyone who wants to fork us, we highly encourage it. Like we really want to collaborate with everybody. We're going to help whoever we can. Um, but going back to your main question, the reason we went with optimism is three main reasons. For one, uh, the potential growth of optimism. I think that optimism is really primed to do very well in the next bull market. Uh, I, they also don't have a 
natively minted stablecoin over there. So I think we can really carve out our own market share on optimism. And then when, you know, all TVLs start growing again, we can also capitalize on some of that increased overall optimism TVL. Uh, another reason is the mines at optimism. We're really, really bullish on the people there. Uh, they've done some great stuff in the past. I think before, before they were optimism, they were the plasma group and they contributed some really cool stuff to Ethereum and they just continue to deliver. And we're super impressed with that. I mean, and we're not the only people, even Coinbase chose optimism, uh, optimism super chain to deploy base. So I think that, uh, it's a, it's a good place to be. And finally, uh, community alignment. I really wanted to be able to say, let's get high on optimism. And uh, <laughs> I don't think that would have worked as well with other other layer twos. And the, the optimism community is just very similar to us. And uh, they're lighthearted, friendly. Uh, it's, a, it's a good community to be a part of, and we're excited to contribute in it. Awesome. No, I love it. I'm excited for uh, for the launch and, you know, Hopefully, um, you know, it accrues lots of TVL very quickly. Um, you know, is this something that is funded by a lot of venture capital and a bunch of hedge, hedge funds behind it? Or would you say that, you know, on the opposite side, this is really community driven? This is really community driven. Uh, it's funded mostly by Amin via Spank Chain. They are incubating us, so to speak. And then the rest of the money has come from uh, myself and the other guys that are working on it. So it's been uh, community funded. Awesome. Um, and, and, and do you anticipate that over the course of the next five years that there's going to be kind of a proliferation of all these on-chain stable coins or ch maybe chain native stable coins um, as opposed to the, the centralized? In other words, do you think that there's going to be kind of that convergence where you have the decentralized stable coins gaining more market share than the centralized ones. So I hope so. I don't know if that'll be the case. I know there will always be, there will always be a need for dollar peg stable coins. As long as we have all these you know, American companies coming into the space and they're going to gravitate mm -hmm. towards things that are easier to understand for them. Um, does it make more sense to them? That being said, what we're building for is optionality. We want to give people the ability to opt out of the traditional fiat system. We want to give you a way to just like raise your hand and be like, hey, I don't want to be a part of this anymore. And if you don't want to be a part of this, then high ride. These decentralized stables are essentially the only way to really do that. Um, I really strongly believe in the separation of money and state. You know, like we <laughs> we have separation of church and state, but we kind of right. replace the church with the Fed, and now we all just have faith in the Fed. <laughs> so it's like it's the same thing to me. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, we just want to give people optionality to kind of step outside of that system if they want to. And I do think there are going to be a lot more similar projects to us in the future with similar aims of wanting to give people, you know, community owned, uh, what we're calling farm to table money. Mm. And, and would you say the go-to-market strategy um, is mostly in kind of the developing world? Like you said, um, for people who want to opt out of their Argentine dollar or their Zimbabwean or Lebanese money, and they'll go to a system like this, or are you really, you know, setting up shop in the States and, and trying to go after 
um, that kind of cohort. I think that based on my experience with Rye, I've seen that people in places like Argentina, they definitely get it a lot quicker. Like you Mm -hmm. do not need to explain to them why high is important. They immediately understand. So I do think they've that we've experienced their dollar, you know, getting wiped out, you know, three or four times in the past. Right. Yeah. So I think we definitely will see adoption in those markets, but I don't, it's also, I mean, I'm biased, but it's a good product, <laughs> you know, like sure. it's a good way to get, you know, leverage on your ETH. It's a good way to issue yourself a loan. Uh, we're not going to kill you with fees. Like we're legitimately just trying to build the best system we can. And that's really our only concern. We want to build something that's resilient, that's fair. Um, and something that isn't controlled by three wizards in the fed. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, you know, I like your, your idea of, you know, kind of hard coding some things in, and, you know, I think Satoshi, you know, it's, it shares a very similar you know, value that Satoshi kind of brought to Bitcoin where he said, or they said, um, you know, like, you know, why not have, you know, a set number of tokens that we all know, you know, it's only going to be 21 million tokens. It's going to have every four years in terms of the inflation rate. And, you know, you, there's things that you can opt into and everybody knows the rules of the game at the outset. So those rules of the game don't change for the monetary policy. Whereas, like you said, the Fed, it's, um, you know, up to, you know, just some suits, some elitist suits who think that they know what's best and, they're using lagging data and they're 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 causing a lot of the volatility in the market actually over over the long term. So we have uh, you know the Fed, which is a subjective system, and, and these cryptographic systems, which are objective. And so I think it's really cool, um, and I commend you guys for for having that you know that conviction in, in what you guys are doing. And like you said, it's a good product. Hey, if you uh, if you weren't convinced of that, I don't think anybody would be convinced of it. So it's 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 good that you. Um, you know, you believe in what you're building. Um, I want to ask, you know, outside of anything kind of related to high, maybe even outside of anything you're affiliated with, um, what are some other good examples of governance or some other products that you might think are, are really useful and important? Um, so products relating to governance, um, I love Tally, tally.xyz. Uh, they're an on-chain governance platform. So like, if you're familiar with how DAOs operate at all, they usually, you know, there's a forum, people post their ideas and proposals in the forum and they say, this is what I want to do. And then they get comments on it. And then eventually they submit a official proposal on something like Tally or Snapshot. So with Snapshot, it's not an on-chain proposal. So when you're If we, if I put a proposal up on Snapshot saying empty out the treasury and send it all to Reza.eth um, <laughs> and everyone voted yes, then after that vote passed, I would still need to go to someone and be like, hey, send me that ETH now. The vote passed. Mm. Whereas with Tally, if that same proposal went up and it passed at the end of the, when the proposal's done, when the vote is done, it automatically gets sent to me. So it, Got it. it's more, um, it kind of goes back to that decentralization point like harping on wanting to be resilient and censorship resistant like we aren't we as the the founders are unable to stop the DAO at doing what it wants uh, mm-hmm. and we think that's how it should be you know like it shouldn't be just a recreation of the systems we're trying to replace totally and and kind of you know on on the tally um 
idea. Is there any risk that a user has for voting? Say you have a whole bunch of, um, you know, let's make up a coin, an XYZ coin. And the XYZ comes out with a big proposal and you happen to own a million dollars worth of these XYZ tokens. Um, is there any risk for for going to that website or, or voting or using your tokens to vote? Can can they get withdrawn from you? Can you lose them? Could the smart contract be buggy or, or anything like that? Or, or have you heard of anything like that happening? So I'm going to answer this question in two parts. I probably sure. shouldn't say this other part, but I feel like it, you know integrity and all that. Yeah. <laughs> but so the first part of like just the risk that you're thinking of. Um, no, like you're not going to go and lose if you, so like when you go to vote on Tally, you have to delegate your tokens. You can delegate your tokens to yourself or you can delegate them to another wallet address. Uh, the act of delegating to yourself and then voting or delegating to another and allowing them to vote with your tokens, there aren't risks involved in that. Um, what I thought you might have been getting at, at the beginning with this question was like the legal risks, which is kind of mm. like the quiet part. Sure. For, a really long time, I would have said no to both parts of this. Like, no, there's also no legal risk. But we have seen a case recently where I think it was... Was that UkiDAO? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uki I Dao, um, they The courts were saying that everyone who voted on this is liable for what they did. I don't know how that case panned out, but that did freak me out a little bit. And mm -hmm. I hope that they didn't let that set a precedent. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely have to follow back up on that because... Um, yeah, the 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 laws are changing. I know California passed a bill, or I guess it's a new law. Um, there's going to be all sorts of different stuff coming out of the out of Congress as well on a federal level. So, hey, we'll we'll try just try and keep up with everything that's going on. But um, you know, Reza, before I let you go, I, I want to ask you: um, Do you believe that there's ever going to be another bull market? And if so, you know, what are maybe some preconditions for it? Or, or what kind of needs to happen in order for that bull market to actually come back? I heard that if we sacrifice a goat on the <laughs> next blue moon, <laughs> I, I honestly, like, I don't know what conditions need to happen because we're going into an election year. Um, I feel like the U.S. government really doesn't like the market to suck during election years. It's a good point. I don't know <laughs> how much control they have uh, over actually changing that, but I 100% believe there's going to be another crypto bull market. I don't, I think we're long past the point of wondering if this is going to keep going. And like, I've been around for a minute, you know, there yeah. were times where like I did, I've never admitted this publicly, but I will admit <laughs> exclusive crypto <101 laughs> podcast exclusive. There was a brief period of time in like 2018 where I did for like two or three months, give up. Mm. I was just like, you know what? Like I'm out, I'm out face. of this shit. <laughs> and, um, I almost missed DeFi summer because of it and never again, <laughs> never again will I, will I just give up like that. But no, I think we're, we're definitely going to see another bull market. I'm not sure what conditions have to happen for that to happen. I hope it's not war, but mm. we'll, we'll see. Yeah, no, obviously, um, you know, there's, there's all sorts of craziness going on in the world that, that will uh, definitely come to bear on the markets. Um, I know this is just, it's a crazy world that we're living in particularly right now. But um, yeah, Reza, no, this is incredible. I got, I got one last question for you. And this is kind of just a softball. Um, but I'm curious, like, 
for those people who are out there and they're listening in the podcast and, and again, Crypto 101, you know, maybe they're brand new or they're you know, just getting their feet wet in the market, um, what would you kind of want them to know and, and what would you want them to understand about crypto and, and the nature of maybe why they're here? I would say that if you come here looking for a quick buck, you're likely to get scammed. But if you come here mm. because of the ideology, because of the technology, because you believe what is being built here is important, chances are you're going to find where you want to be, whether that's a, a community you want to build within or even just a product to you know, put your money into. I don't know what you're looking for, but as if you look for a quick buck, mm. you don't do it. <laughs> yeah like people jump be in around the industry and they're all like oh like it's all scams i'm like well what did you come here for what were you looking for when you got scammed did you click on something that was too good to be true mm. <laughs> you know like oh right so no it, it's so true i mean how many how many times am i like scrolling through twitter or even you know emails or text messages hey claim this ten thousand dollar airdrop from this you know sketchy link or whatever i'm like yeah there's no way i'm clicking that link um, and so, yeah, for anybody who finds stuff that's just too good to be true or promoters that are too good to be true and guaranteeing things, uh, run the other way or at least double check things. But, um, Reza, how could, how could people kind of stay in touch with, uh, with everything that you're doing at high? What, what's the, the discord we'll, we'll put everything in, uh, in the old show notes here for the good citizens of Crip Nation. Yeah. So our website is let's get high.com. We're really leaning into the meme there let's get high h-a-i h-a-i yeah the twitter is the same let's get high um and you can find our discord in our twitter bio and if you have any questions about anything that i've said today feel free to just jump in there you can tag me my name in discord is my real name <laughs> so just tag me ask me whatever questions you have and i'm happy to answer wonderful well reza joffrey thank you so much for coming on the show um and for letting everybody know how they can get high on a new stable coin. So uh, with that being said, uh, cheers and thank you very much. Thanks so much. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.